Hello and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. Here on Filling in the Gaps, we discuss puzzling movies and puzzle games. Today is going to be a movie called Something in the Dirt. I think it's a little surprise that we would cover this movie because it is from Moorhead and Benson, creators that we have covered almost everything movie-wise that they have done so far, with the exception of Spring, just because it doesn't really fit. Yeah. As seems to be typical with their movies, it is directed by both of them, written by Justin Benson. IMDb 5.9 out of 10, which feels a bit low, but I kind of understand with this one. Yeah, I've seen some of the reviews are like people think it's it's too slow and they're saying the acting is terrible and people just went went to town on this movie with how bad it was, but it's a pandemic movie. It's I, I don't even really want to label it that. We will get into that, though. We will get into that. Rotten Tomatoes, though, I think this is where you really see how this pans out because the audience is 48%, right? but the critics are 91%. Hmm. And they're not all gushing over it saying it's the best movie ever. Remember, I think they just have to get like a 60% to go into the positive Mm -hmm. in Rotten Tomatoes. But they're saying that it's worth watching, which is basically what I would say as well. I would say it is worth watching. It is an hour and 56 minutes. I can see why some people think it's a bit long. For me, not the first time, but maybe the second time I watched it, it maybe felt a little bit long. But it doesn't. And it's really... Odd for me to say that I do really like this movie because it has some of the same problems as other movies that I have said openly on the podcast that I did not enjoy. I think that you could definitely equate this in many ways to Upstream Color in the mechanics of the story and some of the things that they do with it. But Moorhead and Benson, their storytelling techniques are just so much better. Their film-making techniques, to me, are just so much better. And the thing about this movie is it is full of gaps. It is full of a mystery. On purpose, yeah. (laughs) I think people looking for answers will be very disappointed with this movie. And I can understand if that's why people are taking it down and saying the creators of this didn't really actually put any thought into it. I think they did put thought into it, but... I don't think, though Darren may have a one answer, I don't think there is one answer to the mystery. For me, what makes this movie work is the acting, is the filmmaking and story techniques, and it's the characters. This is a very character-driven story, and that's pretty much what the focus really is. And I think that's where, for me, this movie works where other ones don't, because... The focus is on the characters, and the characters are interesting, and these two have been working together for so long. They have such great chemistry. They work real well together, yeah. It just hits from second one. I also love how these guys are literally chameleons, man. It's like, I didn't even notice it was them at first. It's like, they're the same guys. Yeah, it is. It's them. The, The way that they do their makeup and the way that they reinvent themselves every movie is great. It's really, really well done. I agree. I think that they've done a fantastic job here. And that's kind of where I want to leave it, because we're really going to have to get into this. <laughs> Quickly. <Yeah. laughs> we don't want to waste too much time. I have my typical probably six pages of notes where I go beat for beat through the mm-hmm. movie. But Darren is sitting in front of about 10 pages of notes, which is 
eight to nine and a half more than he normally has. <laughs> yeah, I've got like one of those crime scene walls of like thread between things on a on a cork board. He's one step shy. He's really <laughs> one step shy. I recommend it, but I would say don't go into it for the science fiction of it. Yeah. Go into it for the more indie movie making, interesting small story, and really interesting characters and the way those characters play off of each other. Yeah. I really love The Endless and Resolution. I would put this as a solid third place for me, like under those two and above Spring. This is a really good film. It is. I think Synchronic would be a bit ahead mm. for me just because I think the the overall story is much more solid and you still have those characters. Synchronic is more big budget as well, isn't it? It's like it's more it's more of that feel to it. But yeah, no, no, I I like this a lot. But yeah, it did, yeah, I think that was one of the complaints was like, oh man, the science, the the SF effects are are garbage in this movie. It's like they're not they're not that bad. They're not that bad. I've seen so much worse in big budget movies. <laughs> And that's it. I'm going to say I recommend it. You recommend it. Yes. Oh, yeah, totally. But we really need to get into this or this is going to be like a 10-hour episode. So <laughs> if you have not watched Something in the Dirt, we highly recommend you go check it out. If you don't care about spoilers or if you've already seen it, well, join us. We're going into the spoiler section. Let's start off with what you were saying in the other section here. It is a pandemic movie, but to me, it doesn't feel like a pandemic movie. They have designed this movie to be where they don't have to, say, sit in an empty restaurant and pretend that it's full. You could say the same about Resolution, in a sense. Like, oh, that was a pandemic movie. It wasn't, but it was two guys in a room. And that's what I mean. Well, what, what, what I mean is it was done on a, on a limited budget with limited limited equipment and limited actors and limited, like, staff, you know? That, that's what I mean by that. Right. I don't think there was any confusion yeah. there. I just think they chose a good story. They're good at doing this kind of story. To create when they were limited. Because they've already had to do it before. Mm. They know how to do it. Great. Yeah. Some other ones that have been made in this time did not look so good. <laughs> did not fare so well. <laughs> Because they chose to try to make a normal movie and make it look normal, but it can't be. Mm. <laughs> They've done it well. To me, even though it was, I think, probably made during the pandemic, it doesn't feel like it. And I'm not going to move that one way or the other. I'm just judging the movie as it is. We're going to open the movie with the sound of wind chimes. A sideways shot of a door, and the camera will write itself. Not unusual trick that they've done before. A great way to start and great way to signify that that door is meaningful in some way. We see what looks like a bloody shirt on the ground and someone sleeping in a sleeping bag on the floor. We're going to find out that this is Levi, played by Justin Benson. He <laughs> goes through his stuff and of course there's an empty pack of cigarettes there. I say that because one of the complaints I saw about the movie was, wow, they sure smoke a lot in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't understand why. <laughs> They're always smoking. Always. So one of the reviews said, is this what actors do in LA? Or do they just always smoke? <laughs> Maybe they spent so much time together because it was like pandemic. They're trying to get things shot. Maybe they are smokers and they're always, they always just had a cigarette in their hand. I, I, I don't know why, but if it's a conscious decision by them as directors, like, okay, this is the shot. Light, light them up. 
I just don't get it. I get it as a vehicle for their meeting. It's like this movie is about two guys who have almost nothing in common other than loneliness and smoking. But I don't know why the constant push for it is like, we need to be smoking in almost every scene. <laughs> yeah. In this part, it really makes sense. Like you said, it's the vehicle to get them together. I mean, even, even the thing that they have is an ashtray. <laughs> we are going to see a bunch of things. What they do really fantastically, something I talked about in our Synchronic episode, is they set so many little things in motion that are going to be important later. The dripping is here. The fact that the door doesn't really shut is here. All of these things are here in this opening setup. And so, of course, my first page of notes is mostly in the first five minutes, as well as their character development and bringing them together. Mm -hmm. And boy, are they just their characters from the first second to the last. They really know these characters. They really play them well. And they are not two-dimensional. They have so many dimensions and things going on. And you see that right from the beginning. One thing, though, I wasn't quite sure about is on his way out, Levi mm -hmm. finds what looks like a weird seed or something on the ground. And I'm not sure that that really plays out later, unless it has something to do with the plant. Mm, maybe. We're going to see also the crystal bullish thing, which he's going to take out to be an ashtray. My contribution. Mm -hmm. We see, I think, a cracked mirror, loads of equations and things written on the walls, the door frames, etc. There's even one thing that I think is very important is there's a piece of frame, like window frame, that has all sorts of equations and stuff on it that's just sort of leaning against the wall. And throughout the movie, they just use it to prop open the window. Right, yeah. Levi looks outside, sees John outside smoking, and a great shot where we just hold on the window as Levi goes down and then starts the conversation through the window. Yeah, we're, we're like watching it. Do you think that that's just style or do you think that that has something to do with your theory? I wondered. Yeah, I think that this movie is so deliberate in its kind of vagueness that I've got like two or three ideas mm -hmm. about, what it, about what I want to talk about at the end. Or maybe as we go through a little bit by little bit, there's definitely some parts that I noticed that maybe the 25 minute mark that I, I sh I'd like to talk about. Okay. Definitely. I was, I was unsure if that was a style thing. It's like, oh, that, that's cool. That's a cool shot. Or does that mean something? Yeah. For me, it was style and it worked because then we just cut to them talking outside and it was an interesting shot. It yeah. isn't one that you normally see people do. What happened then is, yeah, he needs to bum a smoke. I hate to be that guy. And John is very willing to share. And that is sort of his thing throughout. Mm. But in his own way, which we'll also get into <laughs> yeah. when it comes to when it comes to John and his character. Yeah, he's a bit of a gaslighter. There is a helicopter that flies nearby. They joke, I think Levi jokes about, well, at least for a short taxi to the airport. <laughs> yeah. Which was another one of the complaints I saw. That apartment is nowhere near the airport. Oh, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, that's not what I would ding a whole movie on. I mean, maybe not LAX, yeah. but I'm sure there's more than one airport. There are at least three. Yeah. What's the next complaint? This shot of LA isn't polluted enough, you know? <laughs> I can see their faces. Well, we certainly have the wildfire going on yes. right behind them. John says something weird about 
it's beautiful and it smells like bacon or something. <laughs> it smells like barbecue. Barbecue, that was it. Yeah. We find out that Levi just moved in mm-hmm. about three to four hours ago. John has lived here about ten years. Yeah, ten years according to him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into that now. We will obviously do more details later. Neither of these characters is reliable. Yes. I would say, to me, Levi is more reliable. We tend to know, I think, when he's making up what back home we'd call like a fisherman story. Mm. (laughs) He's exaggerating to make the story interesting. Whereas John, I just feel, is completely unreliable in many ways. I would, well, I would go one step further and I would say that Levi is not even real. I was wondering about that. Yeah. I disagree, but mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> Levi is planning to leave LA. He's just going to be here a few months before he moves on. Like I said, John's been here for a decade, recently divorced from his husband. And in fact, because of that, John offers to give Levi some of his stored furniture because he was just going to donate it somewhere. And he was like, actually, I'll take you up on that so I don't have to sleep on the floor. Yeah, that'd be nice. And it's great. And it makes John seem like a great guy because, again, he is so giving in many Mm. ways. We find out that John does wedding photography. That's why he has what looks like blood on him. He had some sort of drink spilled on him while he was sleeping at work. And I think it was some goth wedding, he says, wasn't it? They had had like red martinis or something. I can't remember the drink name. Yes. Which builds a little more connection because the bloody shirt on Levi's floor, he said... That's why he was getting more of this blood teeny spilled on him than normal because it was the, and he couldn't pronounce autumnal equinox. That's right, yeah. And John corrects him. John is very pedantic. Yeah. But I think that he also has a bit of a superiority complex. Yeah. That is the first of many coincidences in this film. Like, yeah, it's just so subtle at this point. You don't really realize what you're getting into. Just a little push in that direction. I, I like that about this. I like how this movie builds. When we saw John come in, I think he was appearing to float because he was on one of those electric scooters. We find out later that that is a side gig that he does where he charges them up and he gets paid for it. Yeah, he says he's a teacher, I think, at one point. He used to be a teacher. He used to be a teacher, but now he's charging EV scooters. And wedding photography. And wedding photography, yeah. So again, could be complete fabrication. We don't know that. (laughs) Here's the thing. Is John even the real person or is this an actor at this point because the whole thing is a documentary but as we're going to find out even in the recreations they played themselves did they yes because that comes from one of the people they're interviewing mm. and i take oh, right, right, all right, the right, people right, they yeah. interviewed as i take them as being the most reliable mm. narrators in the story right which is also why i lean towards levi being, being real, real. Mm. I don't think that they mention him by name, but they do mention the fact that there were two of them. Mm -hmm. And there is that one bit where he's about to be interviewed. And I would say that, yeah, for me, that holds. But I also am the type of person, as long-time listeners know, I want to believe it's real. If you tell me it was all a dream, I get bored and it has no real implication. In this one, it would have more. Yeah. Because of what John would be trying to do with it. Mm -hmm. But I would say... I'm still sticking with, they're both real, they both have lied in some ways, I want to get into how. Mm. But you are welcome to shoot off whatever theory you have, as always. The other thing is, John is really 
just dismissive of anything that isn't his idea or something that he truly believes in. Levi has a great video of a coyote that he saw the other day. He was just standing there mm-hmm. looking at him. This wasn't one of his exaggerated stories. He just has a video he's showing. And John just goes, oh, yeah, you get those all the time. Yeah. It's not a big deal. One of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Levi finds out that his apartment has been empty for about the whole time John has been here, which, again, is about a decade. John makes this joke about, yeah, some old lady pushed <laughs> her husband out and you're standing right where he fell because there's this square <laughs> and this X, which was probably just there and they decided to use. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of getting that chemistry going between them and it works really well. But for me, it sets it up that he's already not trustable. Like I cannot trust him and very soon get into Levi as well. They don't hide that until the end of the movie. It's there from the beginning. Yeah. Levi does say how he works at a bar and one of the customers once said something about you can only fall so fast, which I think must be important because they mention it a number of times and it has to do with, I mean, we are in the spoiler section, has to do with his ending Mm -hmm. and it also has to do with his whole thing of being related to gravity in some way. Right. Yeah. John, we're also going to find out here, is religious because he's about to head off to church. I've got to charge these up before church. And he warns about an aggressive squirrel called Hungry Dave. Don't no, don't make hand contact. <laughs> <laughs> totally means nothing. Totally fun moment, though. Big squirrel. <laughs> Huge squirrel. <laughs> we get a lot of shots. There's a quick montage of electric meters humming loudly, all sorts of electric cables, those kinds of things. And then we stop on the calming wind chimes. And then there's alarming music. But I want to talk a second about the wind chimes. Mm -hmm. Do they play into your theories? Kind of. I mean, they're definitely important, I think. Okay. Things I noticed. One, very prominent in multiple shots. Yep. Is sort of how we start the movie, how we finish the movie. The weird bit at the beginning of the credits where they have theremins shaped like these nesting dolls. Yeah, exactly. I don't quite understand that. I have a whole thing about the credits, though. We'll get to that (laughs) right at the end. But it just played into, I think, even the last actual shot of the movie is of those wind chimes. So it plays into my thinking of they must be important. They also have the weird, I wouldn't say weird, but very uneven crystal shards sort of Mm. attached to them. So I didn't know if they were originally part of the crystal bowl thing. Right, okay. If that plays into it or if it just looks... Good. I don't Yeah, know. no, I think at the end of the thing, I don't know about you, but I could hear that song being played through the wind chimes, and I think the character can too, because even at the end of the movie, he's like, huh? You know, he's like, he's still looking for that connection. So, yeah, I think I think the, the wind chimes are important, and, and also the, the whole people within people within people aspect of that I'll probably talk about at the end. Okay, but that it would be for me, if that's what it means, say people have layers, that to me is a great example of... Here's some symbolism. Mm-hmm. You don't need to understand it to enjoy the movie, yeah. but it can add extra flavor. Mm-hmm. This is how symbolism for me works. Symbolism should add to, be kind of a bonus, not be the story. We are now going to switch to a documentary interview with Dr. Rita Miller, chemist. Yes. She says they were either trying to put together a cosmic puzzle or jam this stuff together in an abstract mess they could imbue with whatever meaning they wanted, which is very fitting. 
Yeah. That's very much what these characters seem to do. She seems to have summed up the whole movie <laughs> in one. And in many ways, you could describe this whole movie in that way as well. She says, though, it doesn't matter. It affected them in different ways. Some of it was real. She believes some of it was real, but it wasn't worth it due to the sad ending. And quote, I don't just mean the dead one. Yeah. <laughs> Already, we know somebody's going to die. But it's so fast and so many other things happen that honestly, even though this for me was red flag, I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> I suspected it might happen, but I kind of forgot that this was actually mentioned until I watched the second time and took notes. And went, oh, yeah, she did actually lay that out right there in the beginning. Again, though, this one is a big part of why I think Levi was real. Mm hmm. How real and how much of it is actually his story and John's version of Levi, that I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It gets quite complicated when it's a reenaction of a reenaction of a reenaction. You know, it's like, pff, how reliable are they? Here's the thing I would say, though. I think that a lot of what we are seeing is what Levi actually did. Mm -hmm. I think in John's mind, Levi would be even more inferior. Mm-hmm and more stupid, and not have the charismatic personality that he does. Right. Because John doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that John could fake that. So to me, again, I'm going to lean towards he's real, but how much has it been kind of leaned John's way? That's what I don't know. Right. We get a shot of them moving furniture in. Levi is going to tell the first of his big stories this huge lobster he was catching because he can shoot left-handed and the lobster is the size of Danny DeVito <laughs> and just pulls out the arrow and walks away as though nothing happened. And he says, you can eat all the sushi you want, but stay away from lobster. They're intelligent creatures. <laughs> John, again, very giving, says, oh, you can use my Wi-Fi if you want. And Levi says, well, actually, my signal is really good here, but I might take you up on it in the future. But... <laughs> what's the info and what does he say the promised land something like yeah, LAN, land yeah which is so much better than his ex's version of i forget what it was now but they're almost identical in their cleverness but but john says yeah it wasn't even clever <laughs> well promised land isn't exactly genius level comedy <laughs> Levi says he has to go do a charity thing, which we're going to find out is not really the case. He offers a road beer. John says that his ex Lonnie was in AA, so he also doesn't drink. No problem with it. He just really, quote, got into the program, which speaks a lot to John and his character. We find out he's very into his church. Mm -hmm. And with AA, he's very into that. He's looking for a connection of some kind. I feel, and finding it not in the healthiest of ways. We don't know why John and Lonnie broke up, but that would be part of my guess. I've got a pretty good idea. <laughs> <laughs> John leaves a plant as a housewarming gift, says it's from his grandmother's shop. Speak of the angel, she's calling. Not speak of the devil, but speak of the angel. Levi props the window up with that frame piece. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first time we actually see it, Yeah, but we're going to see it multiple times throughout the movie. John is about to leave, but here's where things get interesting. The crystal starts to glow. He drops the cigarette that Levi had given him, 
and stands there sort of strangely. Levi comes in and they talk about it. And he said, yeah, okay, that that does seem weird, but I really do have to go now. Yeah. <laughs> you can stay. <laughs> it's basically... All your stuff anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're going to steal back your own couch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the sleeping bag. Like that's yeah. <laughs> pretty much all Levi seems to have. And he says, no, I, I've got to go. But just as he's about to go, then glows again and floats a bit, and they both walk out. Yeah. I mean, that was interesting in itself because I don't know about you, but when, 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 uh, John sees the, 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 the crystal, I didn't really see anything happening, right? He says it's glowing, but I didn't see it. If it, if it was, it was very, very faint, but it seems to be only when they're together, it intensifies. And that's one of the big points of this film, I think. When it's together, it does intensify. I saw it. But it was mostly a reflection, kind of light yeah, hitting John. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. So it's like, to me, nothing was happening, right? It was just the light, the, the sunshine was hitting it at a nice angle. I've seen weird illusions where the sun comes through your window and it'll project things onto your ceiling. It'll make rainbows. I think that's what happened. But or that's what I was, what I was looking at. I didn't see anything supernatural about it. But when Levi comes in, it's like when they're combined, their powers have combined kind of thing. It's like, then the crystal starts to act in a really weird way. It is. Though throughout the movie, we're going to see that it seems to be John has something to do with the light. Yes. And the floating or the change of gravity that has to do with Levi. Yeah, because even... I don't know how, how late in the game it is, but yeah, they, they refer to one of them as gravity and one of them as electromagnetic. And it's like, that's how they play off each other because they're almost almost opposites, but they work. They need each other. And I think that's a really important part of the film. Yeah. That, for me here, though, I would say yes. I think if we're going to believe that any of this happened at all, I'm going to say, yes, John saw the light. But when Levi came in, that is when the gravity thing happened. They both step out, and both of the things turn off at the same time, mm. and it falls. Yeah. It's so comical, that as well, how they just like look at each other and just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out, out. They're in John's apartment. They both say kind of they were afraid at first, but now they're just more excited. Levi says this is an opportunity to prove the supernatural could be, it could be their future. Like they're both struggling, but this could be something. And I think John kind of has the same idea as well. There are some knocks at the door, three of them, because there are three birds knocked out on the ground. Mm. And an interesting thing here is Levi will put the birds in shoeboxes, but cut them open. It protects them enough from a cat that might find them so that if they just happen to have knocked themselves out, they can wake up on their own and fly out them. Mm -hmm. I think he says this happened when he was growing up. They had a big window or something. Yeah. Again, just a little bit of character building shows compassion. And John is almost talking to himself when he says, eh, we, we need visuals. And Levi says, what? Oh, we need visuals to prove the supernatural. A podcast would be no good. Well, there goes our ghost podcast. <laughs> John doesn't understand YouTube. I don't, I don't understand this whole bit. <laughs> I just don't get it. You need subscribers and you need this. <laughs> it's Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's not exactly rocket science. <laughs> I mean, understanding the algorithm is, but understanding the kind of basics of YouTube, I don't, I mean, I feel like I understand the basics, so I think 
everyone should be able <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> but they both seem to kind of decide at the same time to do a documentary. Mm-hmm. Levi notices somewhat uncomfortably that there's a woman looking for him. It's sort of implied from something John says later that this was a charity gig person coming to check up on Levi because he didn't show up for his charity thing. But we know pretty much right away because we're going to cut to the documentary and John Daniels, documentarian, that's <laughs> what, what gets the text below him. The person interviewing says the bio was in one of the destroyed hard drives. Let's get that first. Because he was just about to talk about, well, you want to talk about the criminal record thing or mm. something like that. But we, we kind of cut that off. Levi is then talking to the documentarian. Well, I don't know how to put that. Because they are the documentarians, really. But they're having maybe their editor come in and interview them. We're not really sure. That doesn't get explained. It doesn't really need to be. <laughs> it's one of the many people who yeah, yeah. they had help work on like Seven this. editors or se- seven directors or something like that. Yeah, it's a bit crazy. Levi says John prefers if they're looking straight at the camera, but Levi just really wants to talk to the interviewer. I know John likes it better this way, but would it be okay if I just this way? Which speaks a lot to his character. He's much more about people. Mm. And John is more about straight to the camera. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he really sees the idea of other people on the other side of the camera. Right. The way that perhaps Levi does. Mm. We get another bit with John who says, yes, he was a math teacher to support his way into photography. (laughs) I love this line. Some people like kids, but they are not good. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't like it. The kids didn't like him. He changed the curve to really help them. So they should have, liked him but that wasn't enough to like him there's more to liking your teacher than just getting a good grade yeah easy fix john (laughs) he now as we've talked about before he works part-time charging scooters hoping that the rent will clear so he doesn't have to live with his grandma in his 30s okay i was wrong this is where he says on to the convict thing Mm. he says he understands why levi would hide something like that right yeah yeah, so we know that the uh, the charity event woman was actually his parole officer. Yeah. Yes. Levi said he got into this whole supernatural thing because he watched X-Files with his sister. His sister plays a huge role in his motivation. Not a huge role in the movie, but behind his motivation, I think. Right. In fact, we see Levi crying over the dead birds, but one is alive. When he flips that open, he looks very happy. It's like tears of sadness to tears of joy. Yeah, I didn't understand this part. It was like I was like, why is he crying over this box? It's like there's, there's got to be something more than that. You wouldn't cry over a couple of dead birds. Well, some people would. I mean, that's just I'm just always just a heartless <laughs> bastard. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like this just struck me as really weird. Maybe I'm more of a John than a Levi. Then perhaps I think for me it. I just felt there was something more to this. Like he can't be bawling his eyes out over this box. I think it is. I think that Levi's had a pretty rough past, mm. and I think that there are times, like later in the movie, where he tries to say, "I just need some alone time." Where he probably, I would guess, suffers from depression mm-hmm. as well as some other things. The whole stuff that happened with his sister. I think that sometimes just these moments bring out the 
those emotions and he's desperate for hope mm. and he's always hoping that something will go right for him and two-thirds went wrong here but he's gonna try to look at the silver lining and at least one mm -hmm. one went well we're going to get a scene of them filming the crystal levi says about that closet where the door doesn't shut lots of heat is coming from there he thinks somebody left the heat on downstairs and it's just always on mm -hmm. he said wouldn't it be cool if it's ghost fire <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's just a comedy bit, but Levi can't work a tripod to save his bit. life. <laughs> she drops that camera about five times. <laughs> and it's like the final one is like, you think he's got it in place, and then he goes off to the kitchen or something, and just like, thunk, just falls off again. Why he goes off to the kitchen is to get a drink. Right. And I think that's because John is starting to get on his nerves a bit. Mm. It is just before he gets the drink, remember that they were discussing the possible title of the documentary. Yeah. And John says, something in the light. And Levi says, oh, yeah, I've got one, too. How about the door that wouldn't close? Which, actually, I like better. <laughs> and John says, well, it's a bit long. It's got one more syllable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Titles are everything. Oh, I would not get along well with John. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but I think it's that moment that, causes Levi to go, I need a drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but of course, that means their shot doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. John also, his SD cards were full, cameras overheated, <laughs> and he even dismisses Levi's shot saying, oh, it's fuzzy. Is it? It could be, because mm -hmm. the shot we get at that moment looks kind of fuzzy, so possibly. But as Levi says, well, it was the first time. If we get anything, at least that's something. Yeah. Uh, fuzzy shot is better than no shot, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I also find it kind of amusing how much they think a documentary will be worth. $10 million? Yeah. <laughs> somebody else says, mm, I think that it should be worth more than that. <laughs> you guys are way off. I'm, yeah. I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing you're pretty way off. One thing that we do need to talk about here is this is also the scene where the crystal glows and floats and John is going to see that symbol on the wall. Oh, the triangles, yeah. The triangles that make a spiral like a, pattern. Yeah, yeah. Which, as far as I know, was just something they made for this movie. I tried to look it up. I tried looking for that pattern everywhere. I tried to find buildings with it. I couldn't find anything about it. So, yeah, I'm guessing that they cleverly put that onto stones and things and made me search for about an hour <laughs> trying to find it. It looks really good, though. It does look good. And this symbol does seem like the type of thing that you would find someplace. Yeah, yeah. But I, li but I like how he becomes obsessed with this um, thing and he starts seeing it everywhere because that's how... I felt when I was playing The Witness, like every time you see a grid, then you just look at it and you can imagine drawing the little lines through it, you know? So it's like, yeah, when something gets stuck in your head, it just like, it's just stuck on repeat for him, isn't it? So it's like, yeah, he just, he just, this is like, like where he kind of starts his obsession. This is also where Levi steps into the room and it floats higher and John says, I guess it wants you for that part. Mm -hmm. Already distinguishing that they each have sort of a different connection or different power when it comes to the crystal. Levi speaks about wanting to have real cameras. John's offended. This is a real camera. And it is. It's a nice camera. Yeah. But what Levi wants is a real video camera. Mm -hmm. 
and lav mics, which I don't know why that would be that important. Yeah, those mics that scientists have on television or something. I can't remember how he, decided, how he, how he describes it. but He has a good idea of sorting out the tasks. You're definitely going to be the lead camera guy. I will be the supporting camera. Gives John a key to his place. We don't know when this is going to happen. Just remember to lock up and leave the windows open so you don't cook us. Very important part right here. Really important part. Because he takes the key out of the drawer. Did you notice about the drawer? The pictures of like them at a lake as a kid, I think. Yeah. So here's here's part of my theory that I want to just talk about right now because I think I think this this moment is really important. That lake is the lake from the is, is the lake from the endless. I'm pretty sure. There is a flyer for a cleaning company in the drawer. This apartment is Aaron and Justin's apartment from their, that first movie. He's living in their apartment, and I think that's a huge deal. And I thought. Am I just overthinking things? Am I wrong? I went back to watch The Endless. And when they're in this apartment, it's the same door with the frame. And it's not got the equations written all up the side of it, but it's the same door frame. And there's a coat rack off to the side. I'll put a still of it up so you can, so, so that you can see now. But it's like, this blew the lid off of that for me because I think that's, it's a very subtle thing, kind of like, it's, it's like a two second shot, but this is their apartment. That's really, really important, I think. Like, they're, he's living in their apartment. <laughs> That's, I mean, I know it's like, oh, yeah, well, Darren, it's just their apartment. And, you know, they, they don't have money for shooting in other places. But it's like, well, then why, why would they bother putting that in there? Why is the cleaning thing in there? Why is the picture of the lake in there? Why is there some other weird text, like, cipher thing in there? They're pointing at something. And that might be why there's energy here, weird things, whole new rabbit hole for me to jump down later on. But this moment... 25 minutes in, there's this 100% connection to the Endless. And there's a later part as well where we see the rope and stuff like that, which is from the Endless. Or is it Resolution? I can't remember. Okay. But yeah. So I was very excited to, to, to notice this. Um, yeah. So he is living in Justin and Aaron's flat that they, that, they, that they lived in when they were in the cleaning company. Okay. I would put that more to Easter egg territory. But Could if be. you want to throw it into your theory, that's totally fine with me. <laughs> I do want to say one of the things I love about this was, again, like I said, it was synchronic, was that they were getting away from the endless. Mm. I don't mind if they put an Easter egg, but if they're really going to connect this, I don't think they're going to connect it and like try to make it a bigger part of that universe. But are this they? might be part of their plan for their TV show is rather than have uh, um, a um, post-endless or a, a, a what do you call it, like a prequel to the endless? It's like this might be there. The, the, it might be threads that tie into this endless universe. Because even in this film, they do go to the camp, don't they? They they go to visit the the place where it is. They find the the recording that redacted book and stuff like that. They go to the they go to the, the is that the same place? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can see the totems by the side of the wall, uh, by the side of the road, and everything. You know those weird, weird, weirdly shaped totems that were along the roadside. They're there in this in this. So they actually do go to that doomsday cult place in this movie too. There's a huge connection going on. Um, and in the dream sequence that we get to later, there's the, 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 the whole endless connection in there as well. I think I'm interested if that's what they're going to do rather than just like redo the endless or have other people who were connected to the, to the endless have it as this like, I don't know, like almost like ley lines of energy radiating out from the central camp where it affects different people's lives in different ways. It's kind of a cool way to world. They're definitely doing some serious world building, I think, with this. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. 
John is convinced that ghosts cannot harm them. <laughs> he's an authority on everything, isn't he? The fact that they think this is a ghost seems weird to me. I guess it makes sense. It's glowing. It causes something to float. But mm-hmm. it's not doing anything. It's all focused on this one crystal. Mm-hmm. So unless you think a ghost is trapped inside the crystal, I don't understand why they're so stuck on this idea of it must be a ghost. Right. Levi says here, though, you're no expert. (laughs) We're going to get a montage of John roaming around L.A. looking for that symbol. John is talking to somebody on the phone. Is it his grandmother again? I think so. Okay. He says he can't find Levi on socials, but then finds him on the sex offender registry. He's stunned while he's talking to Levi, who's now at his door. They both have gear. Let's try recording again. John is acting... Well, before that, actually, on the way into Levi's apartment, there's a weird rattling coming from a sort of trap door above the entrance into Levi's place, Mm. which they don't really focus on, but they mention a number of times, like the weird creatures that seem to be up there. It could be anything. They could be vermin of some sort. Probably. (laughs) But the rattling is a bit loud. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It had to be a pretty big rat. Could be a raccoon, I suppose. Maybe, yeah. But as they are setting up and Levi can can work a tripod, he notices John is acting weird. So John... Actually, Levi says, it's because you found my name on the sex offenders registry. Yeah, he's straight up with it, yeah. He knows exactly why. And he explains the story. I want to believe him on this one. I do think it's very believable, especially if we take it that the movie takes place during the time of the pandemic, mm-hmm. when he says there just weren't bathrooms anywhere. Yeah. It's very possible you would go for long stretches before you could find any open business, mm-hmm. possibly at that right. time. But even if it was, say, uh, Sunday and a neighborhood where there just wasn't a lot of things going on. But yeah, so he peed on a wall of a closed daycare, and that's why he ended up on the registry. Yeah. John confronts about the PO. That's not really charity if you're being forced to do community service the crystal glows shows the symbol and floats when they're both in the room john talks a bit about geocaching said that he found this book and we're going to see that book also not a real book unfortunately did you did you look that up no once i couldn't find the symbol i assumed i did i I was hoping at least the book was real but it's not real i basically did a google image search of the book so if it didn't pop up anything in that i assumed the book was Mm. not real (laughs) funny how it has so many things redacted like that's even in the script that's in their dialogue but when you see even the name of the author has been redacted (laughs) on the cover (laughs) but he says that book had the symbol on it John tries to talk to the ghost, says, you know what, it might not be a ghost. (laughs) Okay, well, I was already there, but I'm glad they didn't milk that for like 30 more minutes. Like This is probably the right time to just say, okay, that's not what it is. I think this is also where, is this where he steps out of the room and tests the theory that the light goes off and then Levi steps back and then it does that. I'm not sure if that happens here if that's later no i've just got the next thing in my notes is just the earthquake part that might be a while away there's a montage of more symbol sightings then we look in levi's flat john explains the equations deal with the em spectrum the value of gravity was changed for some reason but he doesn't understand why 
666. I don't know why they went with that. It's kind of a bit too on the nose, isn't it? Like they've changed it to like instead of like nine point eight, it's like nine point six 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 six. I don't know. <laughs> Levi though goes, "Are you quoting Dan Brown right now?" <laughs> I'm not making a Da Vinci Code documentary. Promise me this has nothing to do with what was it? Something like Stonehenge. Yeah, there are like three big things. Promise me it has nothing to do with those things. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so here's where it is, actually. Uh, this is where they test the theory. John will walk out, the light stops, mm-hmm. Levi steps out, and it stops floating. So they have very subtly tested, mm. does this work? And the stepping out is just into the kitchen. It's that, yeah, it's that dividing line, line, isn't it? Yeah. Levi is smoking outside. He tries to light a cigarette for John inside, but the frame piece falls and the window shuts. Mm. I just really think that they don't... They, as characters, don't spend enough time on this piece that is missing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe they did, and maybe there's bits of other story where they decided they mm-hmm. they didn't really need it for the movie. But I feel like, oh, there are more things here. Did you line it up with the other stuff? And right, see if right, it yeah. Connects? yeah. Where, 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 what part of the frame was this broken off from? Yeah. Levi then goes through his story about how he wanted to be a skydiver. Sorry. Levi then tells about how he wanted to be a, a skydiving instructor and very uh, various other jobs, but they always, something goes wrong. Something always seems to stop him. John's sort of floated around too. He feels he's built for this deck. John feels he's built for this documentary about the crystal, mm-hmm. which Levi says, yeah, of course, because you're a math guy and that makes sense. I'm the gravity guy, but I didn't even like skydiving. Yeah. He's also going to pour a beer on a cop who parked in his space or something because the cop yells up at him. Not a smart move. <laughs> kind of funny, though. Yeah. Then we get one of many times where we get lots of intermingled old home video clips. Mm-hmm. Do you think any of these are real? That's the thing. It's like, yeah, are they? Because... Or are they are they made for the documentary? It's like yeah, this the thing is I don't really know what to believe anymore, and I think that's the whole point of the film in in a, in a sense as well as how do you know what to believe? Yeah, but I'm more meta talking here. Do you think any of these are actual oh, actual oh, video yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Don't, Totally, yeah. I think it's definitely <laughs> real. Yeah, yeah, definitely real home videos of the, of the actors. Yeah, which is amazing if it is. Yeah, to have those to pull from and to go. We could use those. (laughs) It's Halloween. There's a really intense shot of Levi vaping Mm -hmm. in a devil mask. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it looks like almost like a cellular level. But then you pan out and it's like, oh, it's just the the, the dimples in the mask kind of thing. Possibly. Or I think a couple of them might have been to imply tobacco, perhaps. And tar and those kind of things. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Because yeah. it appeared to move in a way that mm. that mask would not. Right, yeah. Levi is passing out apples for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Old school. <laughs> yeah, there's some joking here about you'd think parents wouldn't send their kids to your house. Yeah, he's like, you you know, they're just gonna they're just gonna check those for a razor blades. He's like, Yeah, well you think they'd think twice but send them to a sex offender's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a thumping sound from the hot closet. 
And they open to see a studio light that is floating. Mm-hmm. Here's where the earthquake happens. Right. Now we have some interview with Robert Rose, an engineering geologist. I like, I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> People hire him to assess before buying a property in case there's anything weird. We return to the Halloween scene. This is where Levi's stepping on the scale. He's about 20 pounds lighter than he should be. Levi is scared. John is flippant. John diverts by saying, you know, actually, that title you came up with is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he's very good at that. But I, I think it's this part as well where he's freaking about his weight. And then John says, hey, we can't just assign meaning to every little thing. It's like, man, that's exactly what you're doing this entire film. <laughs> he's, he's very, he's not self-aware, is he? No, he's not. The TV comes on, the closet glows, the crystal floats, light flashes. John uses his headlamp to try to communicate, mm. almost Morse code-like. Yeah, and it works. Does it? Yeah, because when he covers it, it blinks back at him, doesn't it? I have to see that again. I thought it already was blinking. No, I think it was just on, and then... I mean, it, it was blinking, but then I think what they were trying... Well, for me, what they were trying to show was that it stops blinking, and then when he does the thing, it copies, it mirrors what he's just done. If so, it's a bit disappointing they didn't continue with that more because right. that would have been a major breakthrough. Well, I thought that the whole point of the film from that point was going to be, oh, they're going to talk to each other in Morse code from now on. Morse code does come into it, um, but yeah, I thought this this will be the kind of the 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 do, 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 do moment for this movie, you know, like communicate yes. with them. We then see John, he lies down on the couch, he's talking about a podcast where aliens started life here as an experiment. <laughs> That's like, what? Are you sure it was a podcast and not The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? The BBC radio right, version yeah. of it. He finishes his theory and everything turns off. Levi also wants to record something of him talking about planets similar to Earth, but how far away they might be. But there could be these portals in different places and maybe mm. this closet is one of those portals. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of a stretch, but it's like, I don't know, it's not a bad theory, because it would explain the weird radiation, the, pl the the plant that grows later on, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting theory. We have shots of young John talking to scientists, I think at NASA, trying to talk about time travel, and disappointed that nobody wants to talk to him <laughs> about time travel. In Levi's apartment, John is watching now a video of Levi moving around, playing guitar, jumping on the couch, those kind of things. We're going to see the closet glow, but as he walks in, there's no light source. But there appears to be quartz just growing in the corner. Yeah. Which is something he tries to get Robert Rose to talk about. Talk about the quartz. Yeah, quartz isn't weird. Yeah. So, but how, how it creates electricity is like, no, it doesn't create electricity. It's like 90% of the world's rocks are quartz. You know, what, what are you talking about? Just shuts that down immediately. Then we get... Bose Kaminsky, a cultural secretary for Glendale Social Outreach Society, and we have shots of a snakeskin. He straight up suggests that John might be making this documentary for fame mm -hmm. and says, well, why did you play yourselves in the recreations? Yeah. And why are there recreations? We're going to get into that. But already right from that, we lead into them recreating where Levi is there on the couch the snakeskin is there. It must have come out on its own or something. And John says, was the snakeskin really out that far? And Levi says, no, but I thought it looked better for the shot. 
They're outside talking. I think they're up on the roof at this point. Yeah. Levi tells a tall tale about an orca stealing fish from his spear, which I don't believe for a second. <laughs> There's a bag of red stuff on yeah, the ground. Yeah, like red weed. I think that's the plant from the Endless. Okay. John records a bit of speech about there maybe being gateways to other worlds all around, which seems to kind of lead back into what Levi was saying before, but John had seemed dismissive before. Mm-hmm. Levi again talks about leaving soon. He saw another coyote, and people don't talk about those magical LA moments. They just talk about the traffic and the pollution and all of those things. Yeah. John tries to convince Levi to stay. Levi says he is basically asexual. It comes up in the conversation, mm-hmm. and he's very offended when John tries to relate, what was it, like being religious? Yeah. To that. It just shows how disconnected John can be from reality. Mm-hmm. Levi heads to bed. He leaves the red bag behind. We see John in a room putting the symbol that he's been seeing over the map of L.A. He's trying to connect it in somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, there must be one right answer. It fits somewhere. This is the total wrong way to go about doing this. He's trying to make it connect yeah he's going he's going he's working backwards from the conclusion which is essentially how all conspiracy theories work isn't it so it's like um yeah he's he's his own worst enemy at this point he sees levi outside levi is looking under the building for snakes i guess i don't know what drew him to that but yeah i i missed why he went under the building I think it might have something to do with the fact that there was a snake skin that they found before. Ah, uh, okay. So perhaps he's worried that there are snakes and possibly dangerous snakes. So he decides to shimmy in face first into the darkness. <laughs> he's not really going in, but he is looking in. Yeah, yeah. if something was right there, it might be a problem. Yeah. I mean, I suppose they don't, they don't really have money to call an exterminator or anything like that, do they? So, yeah, you gotta do it yourself, I guess. Or at least check first before you mm, call. Yeah. He finds an old reel-to-reel recorder inside. They listen. It's, I guess, about math. There's sacred numbers. Apparently, it was in Greek. So, I don't know how either of them put anything together <laughs> based on what this is. I don't even think I don't, I don't I think this is a complete embellishment this part of the story for sure. John explains about the Jerusalem syndrome, people pilgrimage and feel their whole life led to that, which, which is exactly what he said before. Like I've been built for making this documentary, you know. It's like he just keeps on contradicting himself o- over and over again without realizing what he's saying. He's talking about that as Levi's just drawing on his shoes. Yeah. Is that anything in your theory, or is that just him being Levi? I think it's just him being Levi, yeah. Okay, good. Because that's all I took it as. Yeah. The tape was made, I think, in 1908, which is what Levi has tattooed on his fingers. Mm-hmm. But for him, 1908 is days he spent in a mental institution as a teenager. It's a lot of years. Yes, which is what John says, and Levi gets very defensive and says... You're going to insult me for wanting to take care of my mental health? Is this, do you think, around the time that something happened with his sister? I'm guessing this probably, yeah, after. I'm guessing he entered after what happened to his sister. John starts going on about Pythagoras and this sort of cult that I've never heard of before. Yeah. 
the Pythagorean builders or whatever they call us or something like that. John goes to get tea and Levi looks at the shelves and realizes, wait a second, there's a snakeskin and a rock collection here, mm-hmm. which were there before, but I just don't think he noticed before. Levi was about to leave, but I suspect on trucks, sees the plaque about William Thompson, the city planner, who happens to be the voice from the tape, which I don't know how they know, mm. and felt that finally he had made a breakthrough. He had made a discovery. Yeah. Yeah, because by this point, he's almost ready. He's like, as hasn't he mentioned at this point, like, I think we should take a break or I want to get away for a few days. But this is this is the kind of thing that reels him back in. Yes. John, we're going to see you find an old tape, 1-908, mm-hmm. getting a geocache present. Uh, I think the GPS so that he can go geocaching himself. We see Levi sleeping. He misses the fact that I think a statue floats and falls mm-hmm. around him. They both go out to find the quartz stone uh, with the help of the website. I think this was their geocaching mm-hmm. thing. And he finds that little paper inside. John thinks at this point they're tapping into the magic frequency of L.A. like Morrison and Houdini. And Levi says, uh, everybody you're mentioning died horribly. (laughs) (laughs) Levi starts to play Ode to Joy on his guitar and the chords that they have, it starts to sort of make the same song as well. Resonate with it, yeah. And then John brings in his theremin and kind of ruins it. It floats higher, but too high and everything goes bad. Mm -hmm. There's a loud noise that basically deafens both of them and... After that, they're filming each other talking while they're walking in the street. Levi says his ears are bad from a symphony hall job, which John insultingly says, oh, was that another one of your community services you had to do? Mm. And Levi's getting pretty upset with him at this point. says, look, I don't want to talk about that one, especially not on camera, because that one involves my sister. Mm. And John says, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Puts the camera down, but is clearly still recording because otherwise we wouldn't be able to see it yeah they do get another thing here though there's a don't walk sign like the <laughs> the crossing sign which instead of just properly counting down numbers says one nine zero eight yeah that's a great little moment that they both see in the cemetery levi says the tv and movies might be a simulation we all might be part of a simulation he's again throwing out one of his wild crazy big theories Mm -hmm. john is of course flipping about it he says but what does that have to do with the pythagoreans (laughs) like yeah well nothing because nothing has to do with pythagoreans like that's (laughs) that's you obsessed on your one idea yeah (laughs) when they're in the car john is talking about cats and their parasites that can control humans Mm mm-hmm He's throwing out all this other stuff, but what does that have to do with the Pythagoreans is my, (laughs) you know, that's what I would be saying. They notice on Thompson's grave some numbers, which happens to be Robert Rose's phone number, which is an incredible stretch. But they say that that was that was not just a coincidence that was taking us to you, who also led us to your Ph.D. friend. He said, yeah, her Ph.D. is in chemistry (laughs) he reminds i think john is talking to him reminds john it's it's not in what you keep saying it is it's just chemistry we did some undergrad together yeah (laughs) oh no her phd is music history music history that's right yeah not chemistry (laughs) yeah chemistry was what we did in 
undergrad. Yeah. But I think that's the point where even even he says it's like having no coincidences would be statistically impossible or something like that. Outside, we see Levi doing in-between shots. Through another odd coincidence, the chemist knows someone at like a particular school where John found one of the symbols. It's really stretching. Yeah. But that's the point is they don't want us to be confused at all. These two are really stretching now. Levi on the scale says he's even lighter now. The radio starts playing floating doorway from 1908. There's something here in my notes. I'm not quite sure. Uh, They're not fast enough with the camera again. Mm -hmm. Levi says, ah, they're not fast enough with the camera. Levi says, don't worry, it always happens twice. John says, what if it doesn't? Which leads into they're going to have a dry spell where nothing really happens. Levi self-records a bit where he says, yeah, I'm done. I'm leaving. On phone, John says he's helping X with a vulnerable moment. But really, John is getting some money because he doesn't make enough to pay the rent. Yeah. Lonnie says, is that enough? Mm. (laughs) It's like 3,000, I think. Yeah, it's three grand, yeah. John will see the floating doorway. It's just one where you have to step up to get into it. And it happens to be in their sort of building complex. Mm -hmm. He says it's wide open, but we see him (laughs) breaking the lock and going in. He says there were lots of Sphinx cats. There are none. He found an Egyptian looking tablet. Who knows where that came from? Yeah. Just so happens to have the layout of the city map that he was going on about. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Levi throws out a theory that the OD from the neighbor could be part of a ritual that perhaps it was in some way all of this is connected to some sort of ritual john said she od'd and i think there's a pronoun issue here where before levi had been told it was a man and so it makes me wonder if there was anybody who od'd in the apartment next door ever or if john is just making that up Mm -hmm. levi is going to confront john about the truth And John deflects. And John, at this point, they did something with his makeup where he has dark, it's almost like bruises under his eyes. And I'm not sure if that was meant to be anything or if that just happened to him before (laughs) filming. John talks about, don't give up on our dreams. Our dreams are finally becoming reality. And Levi says, I hope not. My dreams are terrifying. Yeah. Let's cut a bit ahead to the plant growing the weird fruit. This is the plant that was left as a housewarming, correct? Yeah. Yet it's growing a weird fruit. Levi says he looked it up. It's not Cora, most reliable source. (laughs) (laughs) It's not supposed to grow one. John cuts it open, says the seeds create Morse code, Mm -hmm. and he's going to eat it. Yeah. I'm going to be the first person to eat interdimensional fruit. (laughs) Which to him is worth whatever will happen because Levi warns about... Yeah, he's happy to die. It's like, what? Somebody who lost their jaw doing something similar. Yeah. You may not want to do that. But John, super happy. Big smile. The biggest smile of the whole movie is probably this moment where he thinks he's going to eat this fruit. Yeah. There's a knock on the door and... It's just a book left by a delivery guy. Yeah, they're 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 super paranoid by this point as well, yeah. There's another in-between documentary shot. John relates science to magic, talks about Aldous Huxley and Jack Parsons of JPL, says he wants the title now to be something in the dirt. Mm. We get a shot of electric transformer buzzing. He thinks it's Morse code again. He thinks it's the same code. Yeah. 
at that point with the book as well, he's like, don't you already have this book? And he's like, well, that, oh, yeah. That happens later. It actually happens, I think, it's coming car, up real soon. It? Yeah. yeah. Because they're going to follow those coordinates to... <laughs> I love this bit of dialogue, though, where he says, how do you know the difference between... And he messes up the pronunciation of longitude and latitude. Yeah. And John has a great line here where he says, well, if we do it one way, it's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and it's one of the hardest locations to get to. Or we can go to this one that's kind of near us. Let's do that first. <laughs> so plan A is that. Plan B is Point Nemo. Yes. <laughs> Point Nemo, yeah. And this is where Levi finds the receipt for the book. John says he just got it reprinted because it was falling apart. Levi is clearly not believing mm. any of that. But this is where they find the ruin of the home. They hear the static voice. There's the old burnout radio and redacted manuscript. The history of redacted. Yeah, it's just like there's just nothing on that. It's just black, blacked out pages. But yeah, th- but yeah. Th- this road, the totems are lining along the road. Um, but it's just like it's just all the. I think I think there's even a, a, a an aerial shot of the of the place, and you see all like the little tire tracks and stuff of the the roads that were there. But clearly, the whole thing has been demolished. The only thing left in this manuscript is a five-digit code, which happens to be where Levi does his spear fishing. Mm-hmm. And there's a billboard that also has a picture pretty much of where he does his spear fishing. That's right, yeah. So he's seeing these connections, but of course John just doesn't believe any of it, disrespects it, just throws it away as though it's nothing. Yeah, all beaches look the same. Mm. Documentary part, Michael Felker. He's one of the editors for the documentary. We see Levi go to that beach, find this weird skull, mm-hmm. and we see in the sky chemtrails of the symbol. Mm-hmm. Levi returns. John is home, but he's made this suit to protect from radiation. <laughs> he thinks that they might be radiated. That's why the fruit might be weird. I don't know that he has a lot to go on here with the radiation. Yeah, because you even get the Geiger counter and there's nothing there. But it's like, that suit's like, I mean, even if you don't know much about radiation, that's not going to protect you, man. Some some plastic wrap <laughs> and some tinfoil around Especially you. Especially when you don't cover your feet, which I think is what Levi points out. His rationale was he had a sunburn and he wasn't sure where it came from. Yeah. Well, you're outside yesterday. All day, yeah. In the middle of the desert. Um He's closed all the windows to be safe, but that ends up frying the hard drives and cooks the plant. Right. We cut to a part where they're getting into argument about whether the skull is even real or not. Mm-hmm. The one that Levi found. And he has a digger. He has a digger. I'm like, you're not supposed to take things from geocaching. You know that, right? <laughs> John says that they need to recreate the lost elements from the hard drives. Yeah, this is why they need why, the, why we have the movie now. Why we need the recreations. We cut to another editor who says John asked if you can do special effects. No, but I happen to know somebody who can. Mm. Becomes the sixth editor of the film, we are told. John enters the apartment. He says that his carbon monoxide detector went off. Levi wants alone time. This is part of where I said, one, he's kind of done with John, but also there's just time for he just needs to be alone. And John doesn't realize that, doesn't understand. Oh, okay, well, I can just be here, but 
somewhere else. I can sleep on the couch or I can sleep somewhere else in the place. And it's mm. like, no, I just, I don't want you here. Yeah. <laughs> the closet lights flash and play Ode to Joy again. Our skull will float. Levi's weight is very low. Okay. This is where he plays the note against the tar and there's an earthquake. Levi's worried about this getting too dangerous. Goes out the window. Fireworks explode. It's New Year's Eve. Why aren't you working at a bar on New Year's Eve? Levi was fired. He's just annoyed with John says, <laughs> Levi says, can you replace the beers that you're drinking? Because I've asked you to do that so many times and you haven't done it. John says, well, you can get another bar job. Levi says, well, I'm not sure I want another bar job. And they're hard to come by, which I'm not sure that's necessarily true in L.A., but that might just be his excuse to try to get out. Mm -hmm. John says, what, you're going to leave this thread just as it picks up. And Levi says, I don't have a thread. This sort of hoax, skeletons, and non-existent radiation don't add up. Yeah. Levi thinks John is just full of baloney, doesn't, and doesn't really consider his own ideas. He just always thinks John has to be right all the time. John thinks Levi is too lazy and doesn't want to do real research as though John is doing real research. Everything now in the room floats. They both accuse each other of lying. And I put, yeah, you're both right <laughs> to some degree. As they're recording, Levi notices John going through his stuff and reads the legal documents. This is where we get the bit of story about Levi's sister. He says he was helping to steal from a construction site he shouldn't have, but he felt guilty because he gave her her first taste of drugs, which mm. apparently put her down a bad path. And I think we find out later she died at the same time when that happened, when they're on the construction site. Yeah, I think she fell off the top, didn't she? Levi says John is an extremist jerk who lives off his ex-husband. John says it makes sense that Levi got his sister hooked on drugs. Did she OD? Says Levi wants to leave because he's allergic to success. And Levi says, what success? <laughs> <laughs> Which I agree with. John said he had a lot of money. You don't realize how much money I had. What happened to it? I gave it to the church. Mm. He calls... Oh, sorry. John calls Levi the oldest bartender in L.A., which I'm like, what? <laughs> I can guarantee you there are much older bartenders in L.A. <laughs> Levi says he messes up. At least he's not a fraud. At least hide the quartz and the snakeskins and the, and the receipts from the book. <laughs> John brings Levi to tears with some insults, and he just seems very arrogant here. And it's, I didn't really like john much before he's good as a character but oh, yeah. i don't like him mm. and this kind of sealed the deal the way he treats levi here is just a bit much levi says the kind of like what you mentioned before gravity and electromagnetism are like the two of them manipulating each other basically it leads to him saying get out yeah so john leaves he's going to sleep in the car radio am 190.8 mm -hmm. Static voice, an earthquake. John checks on Levi, says, I felt the earthquake, that's a real one. It had nothing to do with us. They have a beer and they start cleaning, sort of making up. Yeah. <laughs> Levi says, though, uh, that they aren't friends, but likely neither of them is evil either. Levi still plans to leave, but John can stay the night if he wants. 
And then even after all the stuff about replace the beers and all that, he's like, can I get another beer to help me sleep? Yeah. <laughs> just just never knows when to quit, does he? We cut to black. We hear fireworks. John wakes floating by the ceiling. Mm. Levi is gone. There's a lit cigarette out the window. John runs outside. He sees Levi floating against the moon. The crystal falls and shatters by his feet. A coyote howls. John in the documentary says weird things happen all the time. It could have been a tornado. There was a tornado that happened to be in 1908 in L.A. <laughs> Levi apparently is dead, fell to earth in a pool, I think. So it looked like it was on a beach or something. I don't know where that was. But again, I'm not buying that part. If, uh, like, yeah, I'm not sure how real that is. Because oh, also, even the part when he's floating up in the moon, you see him definitely his legs kicking but then it's the it's the crystal that falls out of that place and smashes onto the ground it's like it replaces him like in his view almost it's like he's watching him float in the moon and then he sees something fall to the ground and you're thinking oh that's that's levi but then it's the crystal that drops down and smashes it's like hmm yeah so i don't know John stuck with a plastic box with Levi's ashes. There is no one to give them to. John says he's glad, I think, that Levi is with God and did something important with his life. Mm. I'm sure Levi would disagree with, yeah. given their last argument mm -hmm. that we've just seen. Yeah. The editor wants an explanation. And John starts to say, well, you know what? There are actually 20 William Thompsons in the early 20th century. And some of their figures were off. <laughs> yeah. Rita says that she believes part of it was real. John says there was no evidence of the Pythagoreans, but I'm not done yet. Yeah, of course. Mm. Chimes ring. We pan down to the wind chimes. We hear creepy wind and kind of voices. Ode to joy. Yeah. And then the title. And then, like I said before about the weird Thermans <laughs> yeah. playing. And then let me say this, because I know that you still have some theory stuff that you want to put all together, mm -hmm. which is great. I hate the credits in this so much. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird choice, isn't it? I just thought it was really out of place. I mean, the theremin stuff. That I was okay with. I'm okay, yeah. It's something weird, but the whole it's fun to make movies with friends would be a great, at the very tail end of the credits, put one picture there mm. and say that and that would be great but to have a whole montage a whole slideshow of these yeah, it's like, images like the end of rush hour almost you know it's like it's just this this weird montage of of goofy stuff this is not a comedy yeah maybe you think you made a comedy there are funny nah, bits but yeah. it is not a comedy no. so so for me this feels totally out of place yeah. you left me feeling something else and about 30 seconds later, took it away. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to be the one to, to say that. Because, yeah, it's just so weird. It's like It was like the end of... I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't have outtakes. Like, just like end of Cannonball Run or something like that, you know? In those movies, it makes sense. It does make sense. Because it's a comedy. Exactly. But it's like here, it's like... I get what they're trying to say. It's like... we've we've been filming in a pandemic and it's good that we got together and this blah, blah, is blah, blah, something blah. that I, maybe it's the problem of we're out of the physical disc days where you have extras because this feels like the thing that you would put as a dvd extra of some sort but now that we're mostly in a streaming age 
you have no place to put it. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like it belongs here. Yeah. No, totally. I, that, that's a puzzle in itself, why they chose that. <laughs> so, let's get into some of your theories. Let's put them together. All right. So, I mean, the first one is, like, the first thing I want to say that is quite funny, um, and I think also what the, the movie is trying to get at is this whole idea of coincidence, right? So, it's like, the whole movie is a, is a movie about coincidences and how they're drawing conclusions, right? And I wrote down a few coincidences. Have you heard some of these, right? Have you heard about... Um, the, the Wizard of Oz coincidence? Have you heard this one? It depends which one. Is this the Pink Floyd? No, no, no. So they were on set. The guy, the guy who does, who plays the Wizard of Oz and the fortune teller, whatever. I don't know his name. They needed an old kind of jacket for him to wear as the as the fortune teller, and so they sent some guys down to the thrift store to just go and pick up an old jacket, brought it back. He puts it on, and then he goes into the pockets. L. Frank Baum, and he's like. Are they having a laugh? You know, you guys pranked me, didn't you? And then they're like, no, no, no we just went down to the thrift store and bought, a, and bought a jacket. He tracks down his widow, asks her, hey, is this his jacket? And she's like, yeah, I gave it to Goodwill. And so what are the chances of that happening? <laughs> that is bananas, right? And then, but it happened, right? And then you got all the JFK, Lincoln um, um, coincidences, like, what is it like? Lincoln's secretary was called Kennedy. Kennedy's secretary was called Lincoln. You know, there's a, there's a whole slew of those. Um, but actually, probability trumps coincidence because when you do the maths on it, something that I'm not qualified to do at all, so I, I got someone else to do it, it comes down to a zero. Even if you crunch the numbers on some of these really crazy coincidences, it comes down to like 0.0001, right? It's better odds than getting a royal flush. And in a world of 7 billion people, that's going to happen to a 1,000 people. So it's like, it's only a coincidence because it's happened to you, you know? So it's like, you know, I, I like that about, about how that works. And like that whole, have you heard the football team coincidence where um, if you have a, a football match, two of the players will have the same birthday and you'd think that's statistically impossible. There's 365 days in a year. But actually, if you, if you do the maths on it, it's entirely possible. It's like, it comes down to like, yeah, it's almost a 50-50. So it's like, it's not bad. Right. So, so, but anyway, but that that whole thing of coincidences in this movie and how they're just drawing conclusions like that guy's phone number. It's like, well, it had to be someone's phone number, and plus you added a digit to it. So it's like, I can. I mean, right now, if we sat down, we could we could draw coincidences and parallels between our lives. Like, oh my god, my whatever happened on this day, and that's your birthday. Oh my god, we're onto something amazing here. Um, but. That aside, I, I mean, I just, I just like how that—that's what this movie is about for me. It's like how how we can draw lines between things that just don't exist, and and get really worked up about stuff, and invent these crazy conspiracies. Um, um, Levi, right? Here's the thing, right? So you, you, we were talking before: is Levi real or not? Everybody, we don't even honestly, we don't even know if John is real. Like, like they say that they have. They played themselves, but this is now a reenactment of a reenactment. Levi's dead. Levi died a lot, even in the documentary. Levi died, right? At some point before this was made. So, is, I, is Levi not an actor? I don't. John think is that's real. Nice. John is real. But is because Levi. We see real? him talking to Robert. Is Levi real? I think it is. I think this is not a reenactment of a reenactment, as you keep saying. But they say that in the film. They say it's a reenactment. Of a reenactment. They say they, they went to layers. They, they were doing reenactments of reenactments. 
I don't know that they said that. Mm. Even if they don't, the, 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 um, or, or if they do, even, um, the fact is they were making this documentary, Levi died, and so, or died, you know. I don't think he floated off into space. Um, because of that whole thing with the, 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 the crystal falling down at the end. Um, I think that there's two possibilities. One is John murdered him. Yes. Did, you, did you think that at some point? It's a possibility. To take the fame, because he is that obsessed. I mean, at one point I thought maybe that's even Levi in the attic and he's locked him up there. Because there doesn't really seem to be anybody else living in this apartment complex. Right. Um, and so you could probably get away with him making a lot of noise. But I, I, I think it's very possible that John murdered Levi. So in that case, Levi was a real person. And then that would kind of tie into your theory that they're both real. And that at one point, Levi just vanished. And then he's saying, oh, he floated off into space, man. And then, you know, he's in a better place now. It's like, is he or is he in your attic? That's interesting. I do think that you're perhaps confusing the fact that this is a movie with the reenactment because not every shot that we got was documentary. Yeah. There are quite a lot of things that had nothing to do with the documentary. And I think that you're kind of attributing that as being them making the documentary of the documentary or the reenactment of the reenactment. And I don't think that it is that shot of Levi going up to the moon. I don't think was part of the documentary. I think that was part of what we are meant to believe was, real life or what happened. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, if you, I mean, if you take it at face value, then then all of it happened, and then that's what happened. But, I mean, did you notice that, though, that when when he floated up into the moon, the, the, the crystal took his place and fell, fell to Earth, yeah? It, it seems to fall out from exactly where he is in the sky. I thought they were connected and they both fell together. Yeah, because I was really expecting him to fall, but then it was the, it was the, the, the crystal that fell. Um, another idea that I had was, okay, if I'm going to go with the theory that Levi is not real, I think that John could be, have some serious mental problems and that he's, that Levi is that part of him where he berates himself constantly. Um, it it could be like a, like a, a a schizophrenia split personality thing or whatever, like where he's, um, got multiple personalities, um, and Levi's his kind of hippie self that he doesn't like or something like that um because he's been here for 10 years this guy moved in what three hours ago and you know he just wakes up on the floor in this new apartment just a bit fishy kind of um and that would make a lot more sense about him with Lonnie um like Lonnie's not an AA person or at least I I don't believe that um do you think John was the whole time maybe maybe he had the drinking problem because obviously he does He's, he's getting back into that with Levi. Um, yes. So I think John, as a character for me, doesn't lie that way. Mm-hmm. I think when John is lying, he believes it to be true. And there's some oh, things yeah. that he couldn't deny. And I think Lonnie does exist. Lonnie exists, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But that's also why I think Levi does exist. Though I suppose in your interpretation, if to John, Levi is that real then he wouldn't be lying. Mm-hmm. So it would still work. It just doesn't work as well for me. But right. But that's that, that was my two theories is that one of them was yeah, Levi is part of John's mind uh, or John murdered Levi and put him in the attic. What about the chimes? Um again, that would play into the whole thing of people within people within people. So it's like the layers of people or in this case 
the, the like the entire housing of someone else in your mind. You know, it's like Levi's not real. He's 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 a Russian doll. Like he's he's part of John. Um, um, and that's all. That's all just fabricated. Um, but the the the, the way without. I think I've been pretty good so far, like with not giving spoilers for the endless. I don't think I've given anything away, and I, I'll try. I'll, I mean, if I do, I'll, well, it'll get cut out anyway. But the the connection with that, we skipped the dream entirely. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, so going back to that, when he says, "My dreams are," I hope not. My dreams are terrifying. Yes. Um, we cut directly. We see the dream twice, actually. So, and that's that's kind of important as well. Is in the whole embellishment and special effects. Because the first time we see the dream, it's um, John is like jumping for joy in the background. He's whooping it up big time. Levi's got a rope that's going up into the attic. It looks like the door is on. The door is not on fire. Sorry, that's in the reenactment. Um, the door is there and John's all bloodied and we hear this voice. And if you slow it down, sorry, no, if you it's slowed down already. But if you speed it up, which I did, it says it's a voice just saying, yelling, keep out. And... What is interesting is is that in the kind of post editing that w- where they've cleaned it up, not cleaned up, but added stuff to it, so you can see the CGI effects being put in. So it's like they've added the fire to the door, they've added the totem from the endless into the room. It's like there's definitely that weird connection with the endless, um, and that red weed is from. The endless. Is there some kind of connection? Like they've been smoking that. Obviously, is that is that creating some kind of connection? And so I'm with. It's a really cool movie. How it's like I'm with the, the 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 documentary producer. It's like I think something happened, but most of it is BS. You know, most of it is not real. But there's definitely something there, which is why they made this documentary and they're putting it out. Because even in the documentary, they've they've included the bits about like um you know like about how they're probably a fraud and things like that and you know you're doing this for the fame and blah 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 blah. and so yeah i'm on this ride with with her as well saying like yeah i i i think so too i think something definitely is is real here but most of it is just in the in their minds i am too i think she is the most reliable person in the whole world (laughs) maybe that and robert rose the geologist yeah yeah yeah. those two are probably the most reliable in Mm. the whole movie i do think i do think that with the editors wasn't there the one who was sort of blacked out and voice changed mm. to hide identity and i'm pretty sure that's the one who said john gave me freedom to make the documentary how i feel so that it's not just his ideas mm-hmm. and that is the one who i think put together what we are seeing right i think if john was putting it together we would not get those bits Mm-hmm. We would not get those real bits or that real story and real opinions that are coming from the people that are not John and Levi. Right. And mostly John. We don't get much from Levi in the documentary. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's what this movie is to me. It should annoy me because there are all sorts of clues and hints of things that should be. Most any other movie, it would. But through their acting their directing style, their storytelling. They just make a movie that is interesting to watch that makes me realize, you know what? This movie isn't about the crystal or what may or may not have happened. It's about two not very intelligent guys who maybe had this experience and decided to try to make a documentary. It's more about the documentary explaining 
why the documentary failed. It's sort of like Gilliam's behind the Boston story. Mancha. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. They've made something that is really interesting. Do I like it as much as Resolution in the Endless? No. And I'd probably put it below Synchronic as well. But it's a fun watch. And I watched it twice. Happily, I would watch it again. And for me, I like that what you're thinking about as far as connecting it to the Endless in that world and maybe having a sort of Twilight Zone. Every episode is different. It's just connected somehow. Mm. Because that TV show is coming out. There's the, the, they're definitely working on a, t- on a TV show based on The Endless. Which I was a bit disappointed about until you started saying that this might be a teaser into that. And that I'd be very into. Mm. Yeah, because we were talking about, about that before. Like, oh, I hope it's not just a prequel or like the cult life beforehand, you know, just the... Yeah, I don't want a retelling of that. But if they're going to do something completely different like this, and it could be the type of thing like, Black Mirror to me, where mm-hmm. some episodes hit and some don't. Yeah. But it would be doing the thing that I said, I think, back in The Endless, that I wanted them to just branch out and try different stuff. And here it is again. Yeah. And I'm happy to have them keep doing that. And I'm going to keep trying. At this point, everything they put out, I want to see. Yep. Gaps for the more gaps created. 